if you are a woman in the UK, in the year 2022, you are still being paid, on average, 5.45% less than men for each hour of work. Yes, I'm talking about the gender pay gap. And I know that, essentially, to me personally, seems like an outdated term, but it's definitely not outdated information. This is information that needs to be addressed as soon as possible and it's one of the primary reasons that the focus of my PR agency is on delivering communications, delivering public relations services to women and to queer individuals because of the many disparities that we're still facing. I know people seem to think that, well, some people seem to think that we live in a world of rapid change in equality, people having a better standard of living, but we're still facing the gender pay gap, underrepresentation for women and queer people in the media, in the workplace, in terms of communication. We're still facing discrimination and bias as women and queer people. Lack of access to funding for business ventures, for community ventures, for all sorts of things. Still facing stereotyping and stigmatization in the workplace, trying to go into business, in culture which can influence people's ease of walking into the opportunities that they want to start. Networking and mentorship gaps. A lot of industries have limited networks and mentorship opportunities, particularly for women and queer individuals. And of course, if that whole Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial taught us anything, and that's just one example, inequality in media representation. And that, hello, did you hear that in the background? I hope you didn't, because I'm not planning on editing this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, inequality in media representation. There's a massive lack of representation and positive portrayal of women and queer individuals in the media which can affect the image and visibility of their brands and initiatives. And again, I, it's something that I thought would I would just touch in one of my podcasts, but obviously not. And it's something that I probably need to implement into my core values a bit more than I already am. And that is the fact that I advocate for the media to conduct themselves with social responsibility. Oh, my name is Jack and this is Spotlighting Change, the podcast where I take a look at everything going on in the world and I have a look at how celebrities, people in the news are conducting themselves in relation to how they manage themselves as a brand. And really, essentially, it's here to help you build a bulletproof brand going forward. So you can take what from this what you will and hopefully find something out of it. But today I'm kind of highlighting the disparities that we still face as women, as queer people in Western society. And really, this is the whole reason that my brand of public relations exists, to try and address that, to create a culture in other businesses and using communications to finally bridge the gap. So I'm looking at the government UK website and they publish a gender pay gap report and I'm looking at this table you can also find it table free the mean and medium GPG and reportable GPG population snapshot in March each year from 2019 to 2022 and this is gonna in lay terms report to us what the percentage of gender pay gap has been 
since 2019, so 1921. In the last five years, but they don't report on 2023 yet. So within four years, let me tell you, 2019 is the exact same gender pay gap that we have in 2022. How is that? How is that possible? There is no logical reason for this. A lot of businesses, they will say things that are easy cop-outs to you. They'll say, well, we just don't have um, women at that level. Oh, really? I wonder what systemic issue caused that. I wonder I wonder why they haven't caught up with us in certain respects. I wonder why there's less people in this profession who present and identify as women. Hmm. Or we also have... Well, that person does flexi time. Um, we are accommodating to them in different ways because they have other um familial responsibilities. You get the, the excuses are insane. If you have two people in the exact same job role doing the exact same job, they've been there the same time. One just happens to be a man. One happens to be a woman. The man still getting paid five point five percent more, and you're doing the exact same job, expected to run a fool the exact same way and that's not the only thing you probably because you present and you identify as a woman you probably already have other issues as well I mean there's the um you've got the pink tax so having to pay more for certain products and that's something that the government could easily change you know um child care a lot of responsibilities still fall to the woman for child care and those costs have to be fronted with them, or by them, I should say. And also, women do live longer. <laughs> so you have to factor in, like, the amount of money that... Just, like, even if you have a pension or something, there's still long-term costs associated with living longer that, you know, that doesn't cover. And this isn't even touching the surface. We've got unpaid domestic labour because a lot of people in... Uh, nuclear families or whatever the situation is, they women do end up still doing a lot of the the work, the domestic labour, housekeeping, caregiving. Isn't it funny? Um, how many families have aging parents, and there's a couple sisters or a couple brothers. It's so funny how it usually always falls on the women in the family. Like, tell me that I'm not crazy because this is something that I've seen personally and can be the breaking of a family did i mention maternity leave um gender-based violence as well and limited access as i said earlier to high-paying fields of work and this is particularly prevalent within science technology engineering and mathematics otherwise known as the stem and it has a lot of fewer women in it and obviously that's growing and people are not people there's some institutions which are encouraging that but it doesn't matter sometimes that is just doing the bare minimum uh encouraging people or setting aside certain allotments for women to come into that role because all these other factors combined it's almost like survival of the fittest and it's crazy that there hasn't been enough women or half the population and then of course, let's move on to underrepresentation, I guess we could call it. 
As I mentioned, women and queer individuals are often underrepresented in leadership positions, for example, and that can lead to lack of diverse perspectives and opportunities, which is bizarre to me. Now, something that I want to talk about, which is kind of an enigma to me, and that is RuPaul's Drag Race, and I am a huge consumer of that uh, for various reasons. One, it's something that I believe was catered to me as a young queer person growing up, and I found it relatable. But as I've started to watch it, and I've um started to enlighten myself, because that's something that you personally have to do. It doesn't just come, by the way. Um, People just think that they can do nothing, and whatever. Anyway, as I've enlightened myself, I've realised there's a lot of disparities in it. And I think the first most pressing one, of course, which I guess is starting to be addressed, is um the lack of trans uh representation in the show and of course there are a growing number of trans people but it didn't did it take a transphobic remark by RuPaul themselves for that to get the ball rolling so that wasn't really the outcome that I believe was supposed to be it should come from a positive place a place of appraisal a place of um what's the word I'm looking for encouragement rather than oh we need to meet quotas but, you know, that's led to more representation. But is it enough? Is it a tangible amount? Does it really give the trans performers who already face various stigmatization in their personal lives and in their professional workplace as performers, does that give them enough of a platform to address those issues? I don't know. But then again... The show, I, I don't know, as I said, all businesses should conduct themselves from a place of social responsibility. And I think that RuPaul's Drag Race, whilst it did touch on a lot of the stories, it, I mean, you'll see it all the time. You see these heartbreaking stories. And do you know what? Like, I'm I'm not going to be rude, but I'm bored. I'm bored of listening to so, the, because, and I'm not, this is not me saying that I don't agree with it. But they all, like, in almost every season, there's a storyline of someone breaking down, talking about how they didn't, like, a, uh, uh, a male-identifying queen talking about the problems they had in their family, um, how they didn't have that acceptance. Yeah, I, I understood that, and I felt moved by that the very first time they showed me way back in, I don't know, season two or three. We all... I don't think we needed to drum that anymore. Like, the it was understood, and I feel like the platform was given as, like, a, a place to address that issue. And I thought, well, that's great. But then other people come on, and I believe that it's just taken up too much of the air in the room. And that's that's a byproduct of privilege. But where are the female-identifying drag kings, for example? I wonder if the instant reaction when people hear this question is oh this is for drag queens like we don't know enough about that art to be able to accurately judge it and whilst that is an understandable claim it's not really addressing that issue is it now because you could easily get someone on who can understand I've always said this to myself you don't understand until you do understand it is a choice to be ignorant I think we've only seen like two drag kings or not even drag kings, but uh, people who are female biologically or and they're non-trans who perform as drag queens in the entire franchise. I think isn't there something crazy like over 
I don't know if I've got the number right. Let me find out the number. It says on Wikipedia, <laughs> 363 contestants and two of them, maybe two to four, because I've not watched a lot of the other foreign seasons. Two to four of them are women. What's that percentage? Let me find out. Okay, in percentages, um, that is 0.83%. So if we're talking about equality on shows like Drag Race, which are supposed to be seen effectively as a beacon of equality, of showing off a marginalised group and giving them a great platform, well, how is that? Because if you look at it from this point of view, women, for example, are only 0.83% of the represented people on the show. Now, that's approximately because, as I said, I haven't watched all the other episodes on foreign seasons. Well, some of them I said. So I'm not exactly sure if there's new queens. I think there is one in German, the German franchise. And, you know, a lot of the driving force, like moving on from RuPaul's Drag Race, I could make a whole entire episode about that. Although I do like it, I just feel like there's room for improvements. And, of course, as someone who operates within my capacity as a public relations serving queer and underrepresented and female groups I believe that if I wasn't critiquing it then I wouldn't really be doing my job now would I but moving on from that I wanted to talk a little bit more about how underrepresented we still are as queer people as women and of course the levels of that underrepresentation vary and if I'm trying to tread really lightly because I don't want to try and lump two groups together that essentially have completely different needs um, and have different disparities. And I'm also trying to make you aware that I'm aware of that, if that makes sense. But still, if we were doing like a State of the Union where you have a look at everything that's going on right now in the world, corporate leadership in a lot of corporations like huge corporations, women and queer individuals are often underrepresented in executive and board positions and that underrepresentation is obviously the driving force or should I say the limitations in influencing decision making that can really get the ball rolling. So that really needs to be encouraged, it needs to be highlighted where it is, it needs to be implemented into the structure of huge corporations that this can be encouraged that people who might feel like they have no chance should be able to put themselves forward to go on that route, to be on the board, to be able to make changes and advocate for the people who they also represent. That's not to say that you are the person responsible as a victim to then make change because that's a, another thing that a lot of people think. Like, why didn't you say something? You're the one that represents it. No, 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 no. I, or not me. That's another issue. Tell me if I'm getting too scattered about that. And of course, let's move on. Politics. Women and queer individuals are often underrepresented in political leadership roles as well. You don't have to be a dummy. Just have a look at the House of Commons in the UK political landscape. And still, just go to any university. Any old university that was built in 17... Who cares? Just have a look at the the pictures of all the pale male stale or however you say it, stale male pale board, people on the boards, the university deans, the department heads. Women and queer individuals are very underrepresented in that as well. And what a what a funny thing to go into a university and to be met with all these 
just that, like that old boys network. It really, it really is what what an introduction to your professional life, right? And again, the next point I'm going to talk about really ties in with what I touched upon in RuPaul's Drag Race, for example. But I suppose as I talked about the specific TV show, that is its own entity and I was kind of just discussing its own problems. But that's not just endemic to RuPaul's Drag Race. We'll see in a lot of media and entertainment that women and queer individuals are still underrepresented in leadership roles there as well. The people behind the board, the producers, directors, people making this. There's still disparities there. And that is important because everybody consumes media, mass media, and that can affect the types of stories that are being told and how diverse experiences are portrayed. Because at the end of the day, that's one of the essential components to uh, communicating. To have someone behind the helm as, as a PR, it's important for me to be communicating with someone that does understand and can empathize with the story that I'm also trying to communicate, that I'm trying to advocate for. And of course, sports. The disparities within sports right now is shocking. And it's something that I will admit, because I don't have a personal interest in it, I don't focus on much but we don't even need to be living under a rock to see the horrific things that are happening in sports especially for trans people right now when I my thoughts really go out to them and the the real contention and the disparities that they have to face just because they wanted to participate in sports whether it's the olympics whether it's whatever type of sport and tournament it must be a really scary place right now and I'm sorry, and it doesn't just affect trans people, it also affects lots of different LGBTQIA athletes, and also women as well. And addressing these issues is really important, of course. <laughs> oh, what a blanket statement, goodness me, Jack. And I think what's really pressing when you're looking at a human, oh my goodness, humanitarian issue is when we look at the legal and judicial roles in governments across the world as well where women and queer individuals are often underrepresented and that includes judges lawyers legal scholars again this affects the interpretation and the application of the law when it's um when it's inherently male biased and the laws are archaic laws written for men by men and they're still being implemented today and that's affecting and repressing millions of people, the, the ripple effects of, of, or the legacy, I should say, of that. And of course, finally, education. In primary or elementary, I guess you would call it in the States, education, and even higher education, women and queer individuals are underrepresented as well in the text that we read, in the, the leadership roles that we hear about, in the history that you're taught. And also the types of books that you're allowed to read, the way that you're allowed to approach education, it really doesn't lend itself to being able to create an inclusive context for the people who are supposed to be tomorrow's generation. And I feel terrible for that. And all of these issues combined, the ones that you're facing out there are the complete reason that I am dedicating my approach to public relations to address these issues and not just address these issues. Sometimes we work with people who 
they just want to build a business, right? And without any knowledge of these issues that are affecting them, if I didn't have, if I also didn't have that knowledge, the outcome of their campaign would be affected as well. The outcome of their brand would be affected if I wasn't able to equip myself with that knowledge. So that's why I feel it's really important to be standing in the corner that I'm standing in. And just fighting the good... F oh my god, I can't say that, right? Fighting the good fight. um, Because that's a dumb term. Sorry, I did not mean to say that. Uh, this is me free talking and sometimes... Because I'm not editing. But anyway, this is Spotlighting Change. And I make weekly podcasts talking about all sorts of things going on in the world. And really, what bothers me. And giving it an analysis, critiquing it. And helping you, as the listener, build a bulletproof brand. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you again in the next podcast and until then keep spotlighting change.